so grateful that you're here. Welcome to the Recovery House of Worship. God is good. And he's present. And he's here with us. And he's for us right now. Today, we are starting a brand new series. And it's one of the most interesting names I think we've ever uh, come up with. And it's Five Easy Steps to Wreck Your Life. Five easy steps. And so this will be a six-week series, and uh, we're going to take the time to figure out how to wreck our lives. But the fact is, we don't need a whole lot of instruction on that, do we? And this is like, wow, this could be like a half a series, right? Because we've, we, we have experience on how it is to wreck our lives. Now, before I go on, um, the graphics, even the name that we got this, we got this from lifechurch.tv. Aren't you grateful for churches sharing their creative resources and things like that? So a lot of the stuff that we got in terms of creativity and uh, uh, things like that were gotten from Life Church. So we're grateful to uh, Pastor Greg, Craig Groeschel and the lifechurch.tv family um, to share this with us for free, uh, which is really neat. So um, what we're going to be doing in this series is we're going to be looking um, at the many ways that you and I manage to make a mess of our lives. And again, we don't need a whole lot of instruction in this. We don't need a whole lot of tutoring in this. We have enough experience of our own. I remember it was, um, I don't know, it was in the 80s. I must have been anywhere between seven and nine years old. And uh, we had uh, WHT coming into the house. Anybody remember WHT? Yeah, it was like the beginnings of cable and stuff like that. Well, at 11 o'clock, at 11 o'clock, they had what's called the nightcap. The nightcap. This was not stuff, this was not stuff for anybody's eyes to see, but this was certainly not stuff for a seven-year-old boy to see. And it scarred me. And it wounded me. And it put images in my mind that today I fight with. It harmed my wife before I ever met her. It hurt my children before I ever conceived them. It was a way that I wrecked my life, clicking onto those channels. But I bet I'm not the only one who has experience with wrecking their lives early on in life and experiencing the ramifications and the consequences of that wrecking later on. For some of us, it was when, you know, a friend said, don't worry, it's just one drink. And that one drink turned into four detoxes. And our lives were messed. Our lives were wrecked by it. For some of us, we're pretty young and we haven't had that kind of lifestyle or maybe we're just a little a, a, a kid going to school and it was just one piece of gossip that ruined all the friendships. And, and right now you think, well, man, I wrecked my life by gossiping about my friend. Now I don't have any of these friends. Maybe, maybe it was just a habit when you were young of the amounts and the kinds of foods you ate and the doctor is saying, you have to change because this is killing you. Perhaps, perhaps, it was in a, with a group of friends where 
Ah, it was just one cigarette, and you could draw a straight line from that one cigarette to the doctor saying, okay, that's cancer. There are many ways that you and I have figured out how to wreck our lives. And my hope in this series is that we wouldn't figure out more ways to wreck our lives, although I'm gonna explain to you how so that you could see the warning signs. But what we wanna do in this series is answer this question. How do we avoid the greatest regrets in our lives? How do we avoid the greatest regrets of our lives? Anybody here have any regrets? Evidently, the only people who don't have regrets are stars, right? Like, you know, everybody goes, no, I ain't got no regrets. It made me who I am. Yeah, really? Give me an opportunity. Because, boy, I'd like to be somebody else sometimes. What we want to do in this series is ask to answer this question. How do I avoid the greatest regrets of my life? Because here's what I know. All of the greatest regrets of my life were avoidable. All of the greatest regrets of my life were preventable. All of the greatest regrets of my life came with all sorts of warning signals going, don't go down this, you know, like, you know, it's the first sign that says, you know, uh, warning, you know, road problems. And then the second sign that says, you know, warning, bridge out. And then the third sign that says, you're screwed, never mind. You know, it's... Um, <laughs> Over and over and over again, whenever I made the greatest regrets of my life, I made them counter to the suggestions, the, the, the promptings of my soul, the, the pleadings of my friends, the warnings of my family members. All of the greatest regrets of my life were not only predictable, avoidable, but they were, listen, they were imminently, friends had come up to me and said, please don't, please don't. And yet I went in that direction. And so you might be sitting here right now struggling with temptations that you never thought you'd be struggling with because of the regret, because of a regrettable instance in your life. You might be right now struggling with the lifestyle because you gave yourself. Maybe it wasn't your sin. Maybe it was somebody else's sin. Maybe somebody else, as you were a child, went too far and their sin created some of the greatest regrets of your life. Here's what I know. That when it comes to you and I making decisions, when it comes to you and I living life, there are the kind of regrets that you and I are going to come up against that we would give and listen to me, anything, everything to take back. That there are moments in our lives that before it, we would give everything to do it. And after it, we would give everything to not have it done. That's a fact. And so what do we do? Because the, the truth is, for many of us, not all of us, some of us might die before we go home. But for many of us, we have a long life ahead of us. What do we do with those opportunities that come our way that won't just change us for a day, but will change everything forever? 
it's in this series that we're going to address this. Now, today, you might go, hey, um, I feel like I have a lot more questions. The way we do series here at our house is that we pick a topic, a question, a scripture, an idea, and we drill down on that one thing for weeks and weeks and weeks until it kind of gets down deep into our souls. Well, this is no different. And so today, I'm going to give you an introduction. And if you feel by at the end of this introduction that, you, you know, I just don't know how to avoid the greatest regrets of my life, good. That's because you're supposed to come to part two and part three and part four and so on. And so here's what I want you to do. I just want you to make a decision in your mind that you're going to come for this series. You don't have to come for the rest of your life but I want you to make a decision in your mind that this is a series that you're going to show up to, that yeah, yeah, laundry can wait. Yeah, 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 you know, the, 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 the shopping can wait. Yeah, 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 that emergency at my cousin's, that can wait. I'm going to show up every week for the rest of this series because you can't afford to not show up. You can't afford to miss could you imagine, could you imagine some of you right now are on the very edge and ledge of making a decision that's going to change, listen, that's going to affect your kids for the rest of their lives. Right now, this second, I'm not stupid, we're talking to a large group of people. I, I, there are some of us right now that are just a second away from destroying, and you think, listen to me, you think this, I can't stop myself. I can't, this is, I gotta do this. But I'm telling you, it's gonna, the kind of destruction that's gonna come from this is something that's gonna reverberate for generations. You can't afford not to miss this. It's not like we need more people to come. I'm just telling you for your sake. You need to be here. So make a commitment in your mind right now that you're not going to miss. One, of this series. Now, God knows that you and I are going to have defining moments. Moments where you can go right or go left and it changes everything. Uh, you see this sometimes in movies. Um, anybody remember uh, Titanic, right? And there was that moment where they where uh, the, their, I forget whose feet there were, their feet were on the ground and then it went to the ramp of the boat and everything slowed down because it was in that moment that changed the course of their lives. Everyone has those slow down moments. Everyone has those moments in life where if you could slow it down, you go, this is a game changer. This changes everything. This decision is going to have consequences that go on for 30 years. God knows that all of us are going to struggle. God knows with all, that all of us are going to have those moments. And so he gives a gift. He wraps it. And he presents it to you. The gift that he gives is a gift that if you're a Christian, you can enjoy. And if you're here and you don't love Jesus, 
you can enjoy. It's a gift to all people. It's a gift that he provides for everyone in this room who's open to hear what he would have to say about decisions. It's a gift for every one of us. The gift is called wisdom. See, when you and I make decisions, many times we have the wrong grid. Many times we have the wrong framework. When you and I make decisions, many times we're functioning off the wrong basis. We're functioning off of, is this really, really bad? We have to say really, really bad because we know it's really bad, but does it qualify to be really, really bad? Or, or we live off the thing, and here's, man, this is so, I can't tell you how many tears have been cried in my office because of this philosophy that I'm going to tell to you right now. The philosophy is not how much in love can I live with Jesus. We're going to talk about that in the scriptures. The philosophy isn't not how much can I walk in communion with Christ. We're going to talk about that. Not how much I can live empowered and filled with the Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a minute. You know what the the philosophy is? How close can I get to sin? How close? How close? What's sin? What's sin? Pastor, can I date? I don't know, depending on what you mean by date. Well... Can we hold hands? Why you ask the question? Can we kiss? Why you ask the question? Can we cuddle? Why you ask the question? Can we be alone in a room by ourselves? And it's only funny in a room like this, but I'm telling you, marriages are destroyed. Children don't get tucked in bed at night. Some of you, listen to me, some of you, daddy did not tuck you into bed at night because his philosophy wasn't, how close can I get to Jesus? But his philosophy was, how close can I get to here without calling it cheating, without calling it adultery, without calling... And so God gives a gift... And he gives it to every one of us. And if you hate Jesus, he gives you this gift. And if you love Jesus, he gives you this gift. And it's wisdom. And I pray that you would apply it. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 15 through 18, although we might reference 19, 20, and 21, because it's a part of the thought. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. We're going to stand, as is our custom, to read God's word. And we're going to look at this gift that God gives us. And hopefully, man, I know that there's someone here right now. You're on the edge. Jesus brought you here. 
because he wants you to avoid this great pain that you're going to get. Listen to me. The voice of experience is talking here. I'm telling you, nobody has sinned greater in this room than me. I have deep regrets about the things that I've done and how I've caused the people that I love in my life to hurt. I'm telling you, as one broken man to another, Jesus brought you here. He doesn't want you to hurt yourself, hurt the people around you, or hurt the generations that will come after you. Let's hear God's word. We'll all read together with a nice loud voice. Verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15. One, two, three. Look carefully then how you walk, not as wise, but as un making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine with botchery. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So what we're going to do is we're going to unpack this. And in the end, what I want you to do is all I want you to do is stop living. How close can I get to the edge? Stop living. How much can I do before you actually have a conch? What I want to do, here's the deal. What I want you to do at the end of this, because here's how it happens. If you get this close to the edge, if you make one little slip up, it's done. It's done. That's it. It's over. That's it. Get the divorce papers. That's it. Call the doctor. That's it. OD. That's it. It's just, if you slip and you, there's no room. There's no room. However, what I want in this series is to have you live so far away from the edge that even when you blow it, it doesn't mean sin. And I'll explain what that looks like a little bit later on. But I want us to look at this scripture, and I want us to dig in. Let's do it. Verse uh, 15. Be careful, then. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Stop. Look carefully. In other words, wake up. Be alert. Don't be. Listen to me. Listen to me. Nobody ever plans to ruin their marriage they simply never plan not to. Wake up. Look carefully then. Look carefully. Now the reason that the word then is, whenever you see words like then, therefore, for, um, whenever you see those, when you're reading your Bible, I want them to stir you up. Why do you say that? Look carefully then, because what he's saying is that the first 15 verses that I just talked about, the first 14 verses that I just talked about, I'm connecting this idea with the first 14 that I just talked about. So read your Bibles. Go, when you go home, read verses 1 through 14, and you'll see the connection. Right now, it's enough to say, look here. Since what I just said is true, be alert. Look carefully. Open your eyes. Don't be a fool. Look carefully then. How you walk. Now, he's not talking about the physical way that you and I would walk. He's talking about the way you and I live. He's saying, be careful then. It's a use of, you know, um, 
Is that how you roll, we say, in our communities, right? You go, is that how you roll? What we're really saying is, is this the basis of your life? Is this how you're going to live? We're not saying, is that the way how you twist on the ground? What we're saying is, that's how you live. That's what Paul is doing. He goes, look carefully, be alert then. What I just said is, because what I, what I just said is true, how you walk, how you live, how you flow your life, what the foundation of your life is. Watch, become alert. What is the foundation of your life? What is it that if you had would make heaven on earth and if you lost would make hell on earth? What is it? Is it Jesus? Because if it's not Jesus, I got news for you. It will die. It will go away. It will vanish. It will be removed from you and you will be left empty, void, and depressed. Look carefully then. How you walk. And here's, here's the next right here. Not as unwise. Not as a fool. Not as a person who says, oh, it doesn't matter that much. Not as a person who thinks, what's the big deal? Not as a person who says, well, I, 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 I have to get it off my chest. Not like that. Not as unwise people do. Surely you've met some unwise people in your life, maybe one or two. Surely you've seen the lives of unwise people. Haven't you ever seen unwise husbands treat their wives? They do it with intimidation and foolishness. They do it with manipulation. Have you ever seen unwise husbands? Have you ever seen unwise wives? Perhaps you've seen unwise employees or unwise parents. Maybe you've seen unwise friends and unwise lovers. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've seen unwise schooling practices and unwise ways of getting finances. You see, we've seen this. It's hard to see in ourselves. Look carefully then, not how you, uh, then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, but as a person with insight, but as a person who can look two, three, sometimes five steps ahead to see where this thing is going. Have you ever had a friend? Because you have wisdom. Right now, if you don't know Jesus, you have wisdom given to you as a gift from God. You have had friends that you've seen walking off a cliff. You see them walking off a cliff, and you love them. Family members, friends, children, spouses. You see where they're going, and you go, don't go. And they're like, why don't go? And Well, because there's a cliff like three miles away from here. It looks like solid ground right now. Yeah, yeah, I know, but if you make two or three more decisions in this direction, it ends badly for you. Like this, you don't win. This one stinks. This one ends poorly. Yeah, but you can't convince me. Come on, man. Solid ground, just having fun. I'm young. This is how we do. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you beg them and you beg them. Why? Because you have a level of wisdom 
that you could see clearly what the future holds. Now, the thing is, to be able to do that, to have the Spirit's help to be able to do that in our own lives, in our own marriages. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as wise, but as unwise, making the best use of the time. This is so big. This is so big. Do you know that habits have babies? Did you know that? Habits have babies. If you develop a habit now, it'll live. So here's what I mean by habits have babies, right? So let's say, for instance, you're an impulsive shopper, something like that. You, every time you want to shop, you feed this thing of impulsivity. You just do it. You don't have a stuff. You can't tell. Matter of fact, you, you refuse to tell yourself no. Did you know that every thought that you had did not have to be fulfilled? Did you know that every feeling that you had does not have to be, that every desire that you have does not have to be completed and consummated? Did you know that? You know that's true? It's true for you. It's true for me. And so you have to work that muscle out. You have to learn to tell yourself no, because here's how it works. You become uh, a compulsive shopper. And then what happens is, is that you start seeing babies. Wait. I compulsively go on the computer. Now it's Facebook, first it was emails, now it's Facebook, then it's Twitter, then it's Instagram, and you start having more babies. And then you start getting impulsively into some relationships that you know immediately are not good for you, you don't know the person, you don't. And you see where I'm going with this? See, habits have babies. Making the best use of my time. Being able to say, there is nothing. Listen, right now, if I go on Facebook, it's neither good nor bad. It's neither cold nor hot. It's neither uh, sin or saintly. It's neither of those. But am I using my time wisely? Am I making the best use of this moment that God has given me? I mean, you flirt with every guy? Yeah, yeah, but I'm not interested, and that's just the way we play around. Yeah, but did you know that once your flavor comes around, he's not going to be playing around? Making the best use of the time. Why would we make the best use of the time? Because the reason why we make the best use of time is this word because. Here's why. Because the days are evil. What we, what we mean, or what Paul means, is that Paul was in a culture that was absolutely antithetical to Christ-centered life, to a Christ-centered life. In other words, the culture that they lived, the times in which they lived, did not endorse, did not encourage, did not rejoice in living a Christ-centered life. Because the days are evil. So what happens is, is that everybody knows, everybody knows that you shouldn't have sex with just anybody. Everybody knows that. The most liberal person, the most um, conservative person, we all agree. You shouldn't just have sex with anybody. 
And so, why? Because there's a bunch of reasons you could get them pregnant and be attached to somebody that you don't love. You could get a disease and, 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 and have to live with that and, and, and address that for the rest of your life. Everybody knows you shouldn't have sex with just anybody you love. So what, is the, what do the days say? What does the time say? Now, protect yourself. Just do it with people you love. Listen to me. That's crazy. Just, here's, here's an idea. If you're young, just wait till you're ready. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? How many 12-year-olds boys were just, how many 12-year-old boys were just ready? Crazy. The days are evil. The times in which we live have a focus. Look, divorce. If, listen, if they don't make you happy, you just got to move on. Everybody knows, everybody knows that nobody wins during a divorce. Like, you know, we have beautiful Hallmark cards that talk about, and they make it real funny. Hey, now that you cut off the ball and chain. And, you know, we got great Hallmark cards that make it funny. There are no funny Hallmark cards to kids when their parents get divorced. None. Look for them. You know why? Because it's awful. It's like losing a leg. Nobody wins. But everybody goes, well, don't worry. The kids will understand. The kids are young. Whatever they say. You know why? Because the days are evil. That's why you're not walking in the spirit of this world. You're walking as wise, not as unwise. Let's look at verse 16. Making the most, making the most, verse 16. Are we on 17? Go, 17. Therefore, do not be foolish. Okay, so here's the deal. Do, do you remember what he just said? There's, it's a lot of things that he's saying. Be very careful. Don't live with this philosophy of getting close to the edge. Be alert. How you live, how you live your life. Not as unwise, but as wise as people who can see three or four steps ahead, making the most of every opportunity, living with habits that have good babies, not habits that have bad babies. Because the days are evil. Every suggestion, let me tell you something. Every suggestion that you get outside of Scripture in this society is going to be crazy. I rem I'm telling you. I, I remember, I, remember I, I, worked out, I used to work out with a guy Oh, man, I love him with all my heart. He's a great guy. And um, he, he had no desire for Jesus. And so we, you know, God put him in my life, and I loved, you know, we loved each other, and we worked out together, and it was real cool. But we would always eventually have these conversations, you know, about um, marriage and what constitutes for divorce or kids, you know. Having, and so, you know, I was talking to him about, and it was at the time, it was my son. I was telling him, hey, I'm talking to my son about, you know, uh, you know, it's no longer the talk now. You know that, right? The birds and bees is no longer the talk. It's the discussion, right? It's a series of talks on and on and on so that you can kind of get your kids on board with what's, what's godly and what's true. And he was like, that's crazy. He goes, I would never do that. And my, old, my response was that, yo, you could tell that to your daughters if you want. But my kids, this is where I'm sharing with them. Because they, Edwin, you're, and he thought it was like a sin. He thought it was wrong. 
He said this. He said, how are they ever going to know that the person is the one? And I go, you know, I got a suspicion they'll know. <laughs> I have a suspicion that on that honeymoon day, they'll figure it out. And he goes, yeah, but how will they know that they're the one? I said, Matt, have, I said, bro, haven't you, ever, um, haven't you ever been in love with somebody? He goes, yeah, tell me about the love of your life. And he started to talk to me about this girl who he was with for six years. That's a long time when you're a young guy. Six years. You know what the problem was, why they didn't get married? And he happened to be a very good-looking man. That's like my curse, right? I always find the best-looking guys to, to hang out with, right? It's like crazy. I'm like, you know, it's like, can you? Girls come up to me and go, can you tell your friend? Like all my life, all my life, right? My brother, Raymond. Not anymore with Raymond, though. <laughs> that was wrong. That was wrong. You're still beautiful. You're still beautiful. <laughs> okay. Somebody say preach, pastor. Yeah, 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 okay, right. No, all right. So, no, but like before, it was, like, it was always that way. So I'm with the pretty guy, right? And so he's beautiful. And, and so, so he says to me, he goes, I go, so why didn't you marry her? Because she was terrible in bed. And I said, I said, man, that's rough. You know, she was terrible in bed. But I said, how on earth did you know? And he said, oh, man, Edwin, I've been with a lot of girls. See, she would have been like filet mignon if he hadn't been with anybody else. That's a fact. That's a fact. Because who do you have them to cook? Who, who are you comparing her to? And he could have been with the girl they love. See, but the world, the days are evil, and the world will tell you things that you, when you hear, I'm telling you, when you hear here, you, you try to share this sermon with somebody at work, they'll call you crazy. Verse 17, therefore, since what I just said is true, do not be foolish. Don't be an idiot. Don't go with the flow. Don't walk with the rest of the crowd. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, we just made a transition. Everyone could get this gift called wisdom, right? Everyone could get this gift. It's from God. It's to you. You don't have to know Jesus. This is where we transition, and now we're talking to Christians. See, we were talking to Christians and non-Christians for a minute. But now we're talking to Christians. There's a power. There's a strength. Because the fact is that many of us don't need any more principles. We've gotten enough principles that we know what to do. We don't need any more wisdom. What we need is power. We don't need any more principles. We need power. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand. Come into alignment with, comprehend, take deep in your soul what the will of the Lord is. See, did you know that God has a will for your life? That God actually desires a flow, that there's a direction for your marriage, for the way you do dating, for the way, listen, listen, the way you take in food. God has a will for your life. How you spend your money, how you relate to your family members. God has a will for your life. In the day-to-day, -day, moment by moment, second by second, stuff of life, God has a will for your life. And then Paul takes a twist. He, that's actually the end of his thought, and now he's just going to give an example of it. 
And the example is very appropriate for the recovery house of worship. Although I might say, I might say some controversial things. I might say some controversial things that make, make you jump up, especially because we're in the recovery house of worship, but I hope I'm faithful to the text. Verse 18 says, and do not get drunk on, with wine. You see, there's an idea. Paul is giving an example. Okay, so this world says, you know, the, this world says, hey, listen, if, you want, if you're an adult and you want to drink, have a drink. If you're an adult and you want to get drunk, have a drink. Here's what you do. Make sure you get a, uh, what do you call that driver? A designated driver. See, right? Get a designated driver. Absolutely. Drink responsibly. Know your limit. Right? Now watch this. But that's the wisdom of the world. See, everybody knows that you shouldn't just get drunk. Everybody knows that you shouldn't just go crazy. Everybody knows that you shouldn't just liquor up. Right? Now, here's the thing that, the, the thing I need to, Paul is talking here about drunkenness. He's not talking here about drinking at all. Um, now, I can tell you, if you're here in the Recovery House of Worship, we have the love principle that we practice. There's a lot of people who come to our church that if they have one drink, they'll have 100. If they have one drink, they'll have 100. And so while my wife, if she wants, can have a glass of wine with dinner and be fine and, like, not want more and not, you know, um, not want, you know, like, not pursue it like a crazy person. She would never have a drink in front of anybody in our church. Probably the last time she had a drink was like maybe five years ago. It was like, and, she, and it gave her like a headache and she didn't like it that much. The point is, the point is, she's okay to do it. That's not unbiblical. But can I be honest? You and I can't do it. We shouldn't do it. If we do it, we're going to get drunk. And... If we get drunk, it's going to get bad, right? Some of you are allergic to alcohol, right? You break out in handcuffs and jail bars, right? And so, um, and so I get it. I get it. So listen, listen, this is so important. This is so important. Because there are other places, there are other places, other places where you and I. Um, so Paul says here, verse 17, um, verse, and do not get drunk with wine. For that is debauchery. That's lawlessness. That's foolishness. But be filled. Instead, be drunk with the Spirit. You know how, you know how, um, you know why the, the, the connection between drinking and the Spirit is such an appropriate one? Because when you're inebriated, have you ever seen very tiny, skinny men become very bold when they drink? And you go, what do we say? Ah. That's just the liquor talking, right? Because we know they are filled with drink. So the Bible tells us, man, I, and you see a person speaking humbly, and you go, oh, that's just the Spirit speaking because they are filled. With the Spirit. You see, when you and I drink, it tends to make you, it tends to make me decide 
do, act in ways that we would not act. Some of you get drunk on wine. Others get drunk on love. Others get drunk on money. Others drunk on power. In other words, it influences you. You're filled of it. In fact, it's appropriate to say that you are full of it. The question is, what is the it that you are full of? Is it the Spirit? But be filled with the Spirit. And if you're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit will give you insight that everybody else, others may, I must not. You guys can go to the club. There's nothing wrong with going to the club. You can dance. I love dancing too. I can't. You guys can have a glass of wine. It's wonderful. It's great with the meal. It makes the whole experience more uh, wonderful. I can't. You guys can watch that PG-13 movie. It's a fantastic thriller, but there's going to be some scenes that are questionable. I'm not putting myself in that. I can't. You guys can raise your children to, watch, you know, to put them in front of the TV and to watch whatever thing that they want to do, but I'm, I mustn't. You guys can eat all the sweets that you want and you can enjoy all that other stuff. I can't. You guys can, in other words, in other words, we are filled, we are directed, we are influenced, we are controlled by, as Christ followers, the Spirit of God, which goes from just wisdom and principles to power and ability to do what God has called us to do. How do I avoid wrecking my life? How do I avoid the greatest regrets of my life? Paul says, to live is wise, not unwise. To live with the philosophy that the Spirit is empowering and guiding and leading me. How close can I get to Christ rather than how close can I get to sin? I want that so bad for you. I want that so bad for your marriage. My prayer, as the musicians come up, is that you will, in fact, turn to Christ. Now, this message hits a bunch of us in a diff bunch of different ways. Some of us, listen to me. Right now, I'm speaking to a group of people, and you have your reservation booked. You have the money in your pocket. I, listen, I, I, I one time was very close friends with a guy who had a very crisp $100 bill in his pocket that was in the hidden pocket of the wallet. And it was, it was committed for adultery. He was like, you never know when you're going to meet somebody. Listen to me. Some of you right now have that $100 bill in your pocket. And you're going to do some illegal things at work. You're dating someone that God brought your way and you're going to use a God-given gift in a God-forbidden way. You're going to have sex outside of marriage and you're going to destroy the thing. Maybe, maybe it's the way your health is going. You're just living as unwise. You're living as if the actions of today won't affect your consequences of tomorrow. I, you're, you're just... I don't know what your story is, but I know that you're here and God brought you here and he doesn't want you. Some of you, man, you just, you're, you're, you're a day away 
from picking up. You're an hour away, some of you. God brought you here to say there's another way, and he'll give you the power. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Tell Jesus, the pleasure that I wanted from it, the pleasure that I wanted from them, the pleasure that I wanted from that, the pleasure that I wanted from, I want in you. That's, that's my prayer for you. So I'm talking to those people, those of you who are right on the edge, right on the edge. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen. I want you to turn to Jesus. Go, Jesus, I don't even know if you're real, but just give me an affection for you. Maybe, maybe you're here, and that's not your story. Maybe you're here and you're like, man, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm on the edge. I feel like I'm all right. And to you, I just pray that you would come as well. Both of you would come to the rest of the series. Here's what we're going to be discussing so that there's no uh, part two, which is next week. Is we're going to talk about how to commit adultery. I'm going to teach you how to commit adultery and then hopefully teach you not to. <laughs> part three, how to lose your faith. Because there's a definite process and pattern on how to lose your faith. Part four is how to be an addict. Part five is how to be dissatisfied. How to live a life that makes you so sick of what God, the gifts that God has given you, that you ruin everything. And part six, which I can't wait to get to, is how to go broke. How to squander the finances that God has given you. That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about, and, and here's what we're going to do. Hopefully, I'll tell you how it's done so that you could see it in your own life, and then we'll look to the scriptures so that it not get done in your life, please. So here's your job. Your job is to come next week. Your job is to come open for the Spirit of God. Your job is to invite friends. Because there are people in your life that you know who are on the edge and on the ledge that desperately need to hear this message. I'm praying for your arha. I'm praying for me too. Let's make decisions that we'll be glad we made, not that we regret we did. Let's pray. Father, you know how I've blown it so many times. You know how I've made decisions that were regrettable and things I wish I had never done. Lord, would you minister to my soul throughout this series? Would you do the same for our house? Would you help us to turn to Christ as our satisfaction and our joy and our identity and our beauty and our pleasure? Would you help us to turn to Jesus for our rock, for our foundation of our lives and not turn to these other things that are just sinking sand? Lord, I pray for those that are here who have reservations, they're going, they're going in. 
They're going in the wrong direction. Would you help them? Would you help them to see? Would you empower them? Lord, some of them shouldn't even go home today. They should stay over at a friend's house to just ask for your grace to help them to stay away from the sin. Would you give us wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard? Would you give us wisdom to know what to do with what we just heard? Help us to stand firm in you. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.